Welcome to Your Money Story. I'm Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate studying the experience of Generation Z with the superannuation system. This podcast provides a platform for stories that are underrepresented. Everyone's money story is unique. My guests are people who conduct their lives with purpose, authenticity, and are not afraid of being different. They stand out within their industries for being themselves. I hope their journeys inspire you to harness your own gifts and talents. I'm a believer of living your truth each day. Let's change how the story ends. We acknowledge the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation as the traditional custodians of this country and its waters and where this podcast is recorded on, stands on Noongar country. We pay our respects to Noongar elders, past and present, and acknowledge their wisdom and advice. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal and financial objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness, having regard to your objectives, needs, and financial situation. This week, I speak to Watsi Nenzo, who is the founder and CEO of Herconomics. Watsi's mission is to remove the barriers Australian women place on themselves when it comes to investing in the share market. She believes that having knowledge and the confidence to invest in shares can help women build long-term financial independence. Growing up in Zimbabwe, she witnessed the limited choices women had if they had no financial independence. Her joyful drive for her work comes from knowing that by helping more women, she's helping them find more opportunities for themselves and live an empowered life. Wadi, welcome to your money story. I I feel like I've been waiting ages to have you on my show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, and it's it's one of those meetings that was through the the universe of LinkedIn, isn't it? That's how um we got Pretty connected much. to each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's why I find LinkedIn an amazing way to actually connect up to yeah. the community. Uh, I I've seen um your content. I really resonate with that. Um, and I thought you'd be of value to our listeners. You know how personally invested you are in actually improving the financial outcomes of women. Um, you know, on your website, uh, Economics, you've you met you use the term mission, um, and that's a very powerful word, mission. Yeah. But before we jump into all of that, I want to start with your story. You know, you said you grew up in Zimbabwe. How how has that start in your life shaped your money journey? Yeah, no, it's been a major, pretty much foundation of my money story, really. I mean, everything, I guess, that I focus on, even my mission, which we'll talk about later on, is very much, it began in Zimbabwe. So I grew up in Zimbabwe um, and I grew up in a middle class family. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad, you know, they both worked and, you know, we lived in the suburbs and everything. Uh, But at the same time, I got to see kind of the extremes, right? So, yes, I was middle class, but there was a lot of people who were poor um, as well. And a lot of people were working class. And then you also had the people, the the, the kind of small uh, percentage who were very rich. Mm. So you got all these different kind of layers in the society. Um, And when I was growing up, I remember even as a little girl, I saw the discrepancies between women who had their finances in order and those who didn't. So a lot of my female relatives, I had so many of them, you know, come, you know, running away from, let's say, for instance, uh, family violence situations. 
Yeah. And then the relatives would be like, where, where do you think you're going? You don't have a cent to your name. You don't work. Um, your husband is the one who takes care of you and the kids. You need to go back. And they would go back into that situation because they they didn't have any power of their own. And mm. even as a little girl, I remember thinking, oh, that that's not that's not right. You know, I'd love for people to have choices in their lives. I'd love for women to have that choice to be able to, you know, to leave uh, a bad uh, marriage or partnership or any type of situation and move on to something better for them Mm -hmm. and for them not to be affected because they don't have enough finances or enough money uh, to take care of themselves or their kids. So even as a kid, I remember thinking, "Ah, I don't like that situation I didn't like it I I thought as an older person I would like to you know to play my part in helping women empower themselves financially so that they have choices but also I decided that I didn't want to be like those women as well I wanted to be empowered I wanted to to be a role model myself and to be able to take care of myself so it was a a kind of a, a mixed two things firstly about my own uh, empowerment, but also about playing my part in helping women get empowered in the future. So that was kind of like a big um, foundation regarding my mission and what I'm really focused on now. Um, but also, you know, we, when it comes to money, when you're young, it plays such a big, it leaves a big imprint on your programming. I work in financial services, but then my childhood plays a big part in how I have behaved Mm. with money. Uh, The psychological kind of uh, imprint that I had from my own parents and how they viewed money, how they uh, acted with money and kind of the, I guess, the society's relationship with money, culturally, religion-wise, things like Mm. that impacted a lot of how I act with money even now and there are things that I still even now in my late 30s I am trying to deprogram from I get that I get that I get that I I think it's it's um probably in our background we talk about money so much but there's always that um that driver of why why are you behaving the way you are and yes. it's not always rational because the numbers no, it's not are rational. rational. <laughs> Think about it. Like we're both working in finances, yeah. right? Like we're in the financial world. We have yeah. knowledge. You know, yes, we, yes. we know what we need to do. But let's be honest, some of the decisions and some of the behaviors are not rational at all. They yes, have yes. nothing to do with the knowledge we have. They have a lot to do with that programming from when we were children. For the normal person, they may not think about it. But I think those of us who are in the financial services sector, whether it's financial planning, you know, accounting, financial coaching, we are aware that there is that emotional driver. But what my observation within the financial planning space is that it's quite set up to communicate with people uh, in, in a manner where there's like, you know, lots of charts, lots of tables, yes. um, you know, which is great <laughs> for your engineers and your teachers, you know, those people yes. that communicate that way. But yes. it can be intimidating, you know, like, so you've kind of found uh, through your journey that, that women can be intimidated when yes. it comes to things like that financial concepts and shares. I mean, why do you think it's the case specifically for women in, in your experience? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, for sure, I think 
finances are intimidating for both males and females, for yeah. sure. I see that. However, I think for women, it's probably more so because just in terms of, I think we forget sometimes how recent it has been for women to actually start having that power over their mm. own finances. Like generationally, like you look at the generations before you, whether it's our moms and then our, our grandmas, if you look back even to those generations, culturally, for a lot of cultures, I'll talk about my own culture, mm. um, financial situations, especially the more, I guess, complex finance matters, you know, whether it's investing or things like that, where the domain of the of the male or the of the husband or the father or someone else, it wasn't really the domain of women for a very long time. It's only quite recent that women have started to get that opportunity to manage that, those aspects of their lives, right? Mm. So firstly, they we just haven't had that much time in general as women to even focus on those type of um, kind of complex financial situations. And then also it's that way because women as well, we kind of sometimes underestimate our, ourselves and yeah. we, um, we feel like, you know, it's just too much. Like mm. exactly like you said, you get to, you know, they see all these charts or they hear all this, things on tv whether it's uh on the news or whether they hear somebody talking and they think nah that's way above my head that mm. there's just no way i can understand that and they also have myths so there's a lot of um untrue myths that people believe about finances and yes. also especially about investing in shares um and these are myths that a lot of people believe not just women so yes. things like you know you need to be really good at math so yeah you have to um, to pretty much be very smart or, or or only people who are already making a lot of money should be investing or, you know, there's a lot of kind of untrue kind of needs out there. Mm. So some of that also kind of intimidates women as well because they think, well, I don't have that much money. I'm not making that much money or I'm not that smart. I'm not really good at math or any of that stuff. And then it stops them from actually uh, taking action. Uh, and doing small things towards towards their goals and actually investing their money and building their wealth. So there's a number of different reasons. Um, some of it is a lot to do with cultural uh, and sex um, kind of um, gender roles over the centuries. Yes. Uh, and then a lot of it also has to do with just untrue myths out there and the media information that people have and just how overwhelming that can be mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a, you've had your your degree in accounting, you've had your time in financial services, you've tried out financial planning as well, and you've landed on economics. Now that's quite a bit of a journey to get where you are, yeah. Watsi. And <laughs> and and so that's that's your mission. Can you tell us more about her economics and why you actually started it? Sure, sure. So as I said earlier, you know, when I was a little girl, I remember thinking one day when I'm older, and of course, when you're young, you don't really know what, what that's going to look like. But I was like, you know what, I'd love to, to do something towards women empowerment. Uh, of course, as a seven-year-old girl, that's not what I was saying in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something to that, you know, uh, yeah. uh, explanation. So when I was older, so when I came to Australia, so I came when I was 18 um, to do my university. 
So I did my Bachelor of Commerce and then I did my Master's of Accounting. Um, and I fell in love with beautiful Australia and I stayed. Yeah. And um, I remember when I started working in the industry, I obviously learned a lot about the financial situation here and the women here and kind mm. of uh, different aspects of that. And I realized something. I think I used to always think that um, women in the West, you know, they, uh, they, they are more confident about their money and they mm. understand what, you know, they're, they, they're empowered. They, as, in, as in they don't really need much help. They're, they're good. Uh, but then, of course, I have realized personally from my own personal experiences and my struggles and my own uh, situation, but also just from friends, women friends, or just people in the industry, and also, also just learning about different, obviously, classes in, in Australia and where, where the different uh, places where women are, there's poor women, working class women, there's different levels, right? I realized that there was such a need, there was a need for women empowerment here, mm. even in Australia. So I turned 30. The big 30 seems to really <laughs> me going. Like I, I was, you know, trying charging along in the in the industry. And then when I turned 30, I was like, okay, I actually, this is the time I would like to actually do something. Um, and it wasn't very clear, Dawn. Like I just, mm. do you know what I just did? I literally just decided on a name. I was like, oh, hey, economics. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds fantastic. I was like, her economics. Yes. Yes. And then I was like, she economic, whatever. I was yeah. trying all these different names. Then I, when I came on her economics, I had this like tingle in my body. Like, that's it. That yeah. is the name. That name just did it for me. And then the minute I knew the name, I just started a social media where I was just posting articles about women empowerment. Mm. It was very vague. There was no focus. There was no understanding of what I was actually going to do with it I was just sharing articles but then with time as I get I got I guess people started to know that I was interested in this space I started doing talks at women's events and you know networking um, nights and so forth but what I did find as the years went by was that women were more comfortable you know with kind of day-to-day -day, you know budgeting saving they could talk about that. They were fine mm. with that. But when it came to wealth building, when it came to investing, when it came to talking about shares, they did not really want to, not want to talk about it. They were intimidated by it. And I decided to do something about that um, and create like a course for total beginners. So women who've never invested in the, in the share market before. I think the reason why I'm interested in the share market, so people ask me this, it's because I know the power of the share market to build wealth over the long term. Yeah. I feel that because there's such a, um, a lower amount of women, uh, women are too intimidated to get on the share market. Uh, it's changing, though, I have to mm. say. And I love that. There's been a big increase in women getting on the share market, especially during COVID. But still, there is this um, obvious intimidation of women not getting on there. And because of that, a lot of women are leaving money on the table or potential yes. money on the table yes. over the long term. And I've seen the power of it over the long term to build wealth uh, for so many other people and for myself and, uh, and, you know, and so forth. So I'm very passionate about women not missing out on the power of the share market over the long term to build wealth. So I decided to focus on that because I felt like too many people were not really focusing on that. Mm. They were too 
be dating and they were missing out. So I, I um, created a course which is focusing on the share investing basics for women to kind of understand. So there's a lot of people who either try to just jump in and they have no idea what they're doing and they lose a lot of money um, or there are those people who just don't even try. So I wanted to kind of give people a foundation uh, a basic understanding of it before they actually uh, invest their hard-earned money. And it's been it's been fantastic and the ladies have loved it. Yeah, so we, we see from a financial planning point of view with younger people that maybe might come in across to see us, right? Where they go, yeah. you know, I've read The Barefoot Investor. <laughs> well, yeah. A lot of people have. And they go, I'm supposed to just set up uh, um, a portfolio. You know, mm. so my my question usually is why. I ask sort of why a role of a financial advisor is that we have to understand what is driving somebody um, yeah. because, um, you know, it, it it's not enough for someone to do it because they've been instructed by one line in a book, for example. I think what you're saying with the difference of what you're doing with women is that you're giving them the why, but you're removing the fear, um, yeah. and and you know to an extent as well with financial advice, like we're we're trying to. We're trying to sift through the irrationality to kind of go, you know, can we get you on this, this calm and consistent pathway to the future, but let's work through where you're at right now. Um, so what's so sometimes people don't even understand or women don't understand. They've already got a share portfolio by way of their superannuation. Yes, and exactly. And, yeah. And I tell them, I said, look, you, you've actually got shares in there because predominantly they are in shares in, in terms yeah. of the default options. Yeah. Um, and I said, why, why aren't you guys looking <laughs> into your current share portfolio yeah. before opening another? And does yeah. it surprise you that people don't know that? No, it doesn't, know it doesn't yeah. surprise me at all because most people yeah. don't really understand their super to begin yeah. with. So, and I've worked in this industry, I've worked a lot in soup in the super world as well. So yeah. I know that a lot of people, another thing you were talking about intimidation of shares, yeah. a lot of people are intimidated yeah. by their super. So Correct. instead of actually looking into it and understanding it, they just like, you know, pretend that it's not there. <laughs> That's probably true. No, it's there, but they yeah. just don't look at it. They don't understand anything about it and how it works and how it's invested. Yes. So it's funny you're saying that because I talk to so many people who are exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Every time I talk to the ladies, when I do, when I start the course, yes. I always say to them, oh, so who's, you know, who's got shares? And all of them are like, no, we don't have any shares. I'm like, well, actually <laughs> you, do. you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say unless you don't have a share, you know, some people don't have super, so maybe they don't, but yeah. I'd be like, do you have super accounts? They're like, yes, we do. I'm like, how are you invested in your super? And they're always so shocked. They're like, what do you mean? Yes. <laughs> then I have to explain yes. that actually most super funds use managed funds and managed funds have got this yes. amount. A lot of it is in Australian shares and, and they're always so shocked about that. So I think it's a matter of, again, intimidation superannuation mm. intimidates a lot of people um and also they they use i think a lot of people also use that that excuse that it's oh it's so boring <laughs> yeah fine <laughs> like finances and you know shares and super it's not like it, it it makes it's exciting for everyone yeah however most people what i've seen and this yes. is something that if people are honest with themselves they say it's boring but it's more like they don't understand and they're intimidated by it 
Yeah. And so they use the boring as an excuse because the minute, and I know that this is usually an excuse because I see it with the ladies at the beginning, they might be like, oh, I find it boring. But the minute they understand yeah. this knowledge, the excitement level, it grows, it just goes up mm-hmm. and it shows just the excitement that people have when they actually understand uh, what's it- going on. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a this is a very good point around you know the intimidation part that probably when um you're looking at superannuation because superannuation goes hand in hand with long term investing and what you're saying exactly. shares of course is a long term investment exactly and that's that's the government's vehicle for financial independence yeah um, but I also feel like you know there's the they're disengaged like you said they go oh I bought so why do I know and and productivity yeah. commission found that that there's a lot of people who are disengaged so yes. it's not like there's knowledge that's one thing but they're not even interested enough to get the knowledge. But you know what you are saying is that the moment you invest your time to understand how something works, it, like, it kind of naturally strikes up that interest, that natural interest as well. It does. Yeah, yeah. it definitely does. I've definitely seen that happening, which is fantastic. Yeah. But again, exactly. The, I guess the biggest challenge is getting people to take that step in the first mm. place. Like I agree. you're saying, to even want to get that knowledge, that is the difficult part. Yeah, so I, I, I'm studying on the side as well, Watsi, and I'm really interested in understanding how young people are viewing superannuation and how we can help them. Yeah, You know, we both know long-term investing. The magic is actually in the fact that if you start earlier, there's actually Compound less effort. Interest, baby. Compound, exactly. Compounding. <laughs> it's such a beautiful Compounding. word. It's a beautiful... <laughs> Love it. So if you if you think about um, I mean, what do you think universities and high schools should be doing with young people to be able to get them to understand that? I mean, you've dealt with a lot of young women, but yeah. possibly if we shift even younger. You know, what, what do you think the school system should be doing that's easy for them to get interested um, in the share market? Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's, it's interesting. I actually think that, um, especially nowadays with a lot of young people being so technologically inclined, mm. I think there's so much, it's actually a really exciting um, area in terms of using, you know, um, technologically, technological games or um, interesting kind of technological ways of educating yeah. young people um, around finances. So trying to obviously make it engaging with young people, mm. it always has to be engaging in some way. But I yeah. feel like, you know, things like whether it's gamification or yes. things like that, I think can make it so interesting. So first of all, I feel like there needs to be more focus on personal finances, firstly, yeah. at, at all, at because all, yeah. I feel like there isn't enough um, from, I look at my own um, education back in Zimbabwe, but even here, yes. whether it's primary school or secondary school, um, there needs to be a, uh, uh, more of a focus on personal finance education to begin with. Yes. I don't think there's enough of that, um, at least in a more practical focus. And I mean, not in fact, in the terms of some obscure, like I'm going to, we're going to teach you mathematics situation, more as in even from very young for them to understand the practicalities of money management from a young age, I think is really, really important. And then um, when we start doing that, bring in interesting, engaging ways to keep them interested uh, make it practical. 
um, to their lives, to what's going on in their lives then, um, so that it makes sense to them. Uh, and use, you know, technology. There's so much in terms of how to make, you know, um, courses or mm. uh, projects interesting using gamification, using IT, using diff- there's so many things people can do now. It's just a yeah. matter of whether they actually want to do it or not. Yes, it's uh, that first step. You're, you're, you're saying it's back to that first step of wh- where do we start? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the 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 interesting thing as well is that we we have um, a national national financial literacy strategy right that was launched in 2011, yeah. um, but I think the issue was that schools don't have the capacity, so there are modules yeah. that they're trying to introduce, um, and from the very preliminary research that I have done through my studies, and it's it's not a representative sample, so I just have to put that as a disclaimer. It was mostly oh. university students. Um, parents came up very high on the list of um, trusted source for information. What tips do you have for parents then? So let's say that that it's twofold, right? Because they haven't maybe started their journey. So that's why they haven't had a conversation with their kids. What tips would you have for parents trying to guide their young ones into this journey? Because we know time is everything with compounding. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I honestly think, and let's be honest, when it comes to kids and I feel like kids are impacted more by your behaviors around money (laughs) than what you tell them. If you're going to tell them one thing Mm. and then they see you doing something else, um, I think it's very difficult for that to truly make a difference for them. So I think the biggest tip and this is really difficult, <laughs> but it's exactly what I think should happen. Yeah. Parents really have to deal with their own stuff when it exactly. comes to the money situation, as in they have to work on their own situation, their own deprogramming, as I call it, <laughs> what they need to do. And then when they have kind of dealt with their own issues of how they manage money, then they should try to, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not saying they should showcase um, all of their issues with their kids and, you know, mm. stress their kids out if there's money issues. But I think there needs to be more transparency yes. in, in general regarding how money is managed. Um, I have a friend of mine um, who had an amazing uh, kind of, I actually felt a bit envious. I mean, how apparently when she was a teenager, her mom would, you know, sit her down and would literally show her, oh, this is what I've been doing with money. This is what I'm managing. This is why I've made these decisions uh, for us. And, And it just, it has made her so fantastic with managing money because she got that transparency from her parents. Obviously, you can choose certain things that you think are child friendly or yes. you know, teenage friendly, but you can literally show them from your own practical um, decision making around money as to why you're doing it. And you can also show them that compounding, right? Yes. You can say, look, look at my superannuation. This is what's been going on. Even start with super from a young age. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I know. What's yeah, going yeah. on? This is yeah. what it's taken this year. Like just showcase from their own specific situation. But I think the biggest tip is they're going to they they're gonna look at what you're doing. Yeah. They're also going to be affected by how you speak about money, how you speak about investing, um, you know, so it's really important, I think, for parents to deal with their own issues with money, first yeah. and foremost, uh, because what their behaviors and what they say is going to be the biggest impact 
to mm. the kids. More and than I, yeah. What yeah, no, no, that's. I think you've you've hit the nail on the head in in terms of um start with yourself. And yeah. if we see any of the superannuation research coming back, um, Australians are generally disengaged. I mean, like the system, yeah. but super system is even the investments. You know, not not even looking at how you're invested, relying on the default. Um, you know, I mean, not choosing to be in the default, but just letting the default run, not asking yeah. how how it's yeah. set up, yeah. uh, or some people even being quite surprised to learn that. There are many different kinds of investments within super. You can even be, yeah. you know, in ethical investments. Um, yeah. You've got different setups. Um, so I, I definitely see that that's a very sound point. I think it's quite an honest point you're, you're making. Like before you go and do everything else, um, bring it back to the basics of what are you doing? Because that's yeah. how, when we talk about money stories, you pointed out that we're shaped by what's happened when we were young. Yeah. So if we can break a cycle, for example, around our, our behavior transferring to the children yes. um yeah um so what i i brought my on a walk with my um my son i had my phone with me and then i said oh, i'm gonna just show you the impact of compounding we're just having a talk yeah. very generally walking the dog and i just did it on my phone to show him versus like a defensive portfolio versus a long-term portfolio and i i gave him disclaimers as well i said look yeah it's not a constant return from year to year but i wanted to show you <laughs> and then at the end of it he was like Mama, why? But why would people not do this then? I'm like, I know. <laughs> so he's he's saving for his he's saving for his share portfolio, you know. So yeah. that's that's what he's saving now in cash. He understands Aww. that he's having cash. And I went, good this guy, job, mom. No, I was thinking job. this guy's gonna uh, he's gonna make more money than me and not share any of it. I think at the way it's going. <laughs> well, you better start, you know, um, putting the seeds in to make sure you get Community. Some of that money. <laughs> I know, and I think that's why I really like what you're doing because you know, um, you're you've got the knowledge, you've worked on deprogramming yourself, and now you're trying to actually pass on those pearls of wisdom to women in the community to help them take that first step, right? To to start yeah, it's their about pathway. Taking that first step. So I'm I'm very my focus is the is that first step. Yep. You, you've nailed it because I feel like that's usually the one that's harder. First of yeah. all to get people in, even engaged enough to want to do it. But then when they are, then to, to provide a really wonderful, non-intimidating environment mm. for women. Because women love, I call them women's circles. Women <laughs> love women's circles. We, love, we like to hang out together. Yes. We find it less intimidating to talk Safety. about certain things together. Yes. With other women. So people always ask me, why women and why not mixing it up? I was like, because I know... Um, I'm all, by the way, I'm one of those who's passionate about uh, financial empowerment for everyone. Yes, I do yes. not care if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're black, if you're yellow, if you're yeah. purple, I don't care. I am really passionate about every person uh, being financially, um, you know, uh, comfortable and secure. I have a love of um, like women. And yeah. I have a love of also seeing them, you know, realize the power that they have. Mm. I think women, they already have this power. It's not me giving it to them or anything like that. It's more just giving them the confidence in themselves. Um, so I, I, I love, and I also know just obviously from my own personal experience, but also from other women, how they, they can be this huge amount of thriving when women come together 
in a yes. positive way mm-hmm. um, and empower each other and, you know, come together. There's so much power in that. So that's why I'm so passionate about, about hair economics. And I know also, let's be honest, the, the genders, right? Like, I, like yeah. I'm very passionate about there's some really amazing men's groups out there. Yes. And there's a reason why they do well, because women, just like men, also thrive pretty well when they're with their brothers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're working positively towards something. Yes. And it's the same with women. So that's why I really love focusing on ladies and hair economics, because I know the power of bringing women together in a positive way. Oh, that's, that's, it's, I'm so glad there's someone like you that's out there. Oh, um, that's lovely. You yeah. too, you too, <laughs> No, I think that's, you're right around. I think even those of us in the financial services sector, we are bonded. We like our circles of like other women who are yes. very passionate yes. about the empowerment of women. Yes. Um, and we kind of do it in a, you're right, that we don't want it to be intimidating. So the first thing we kind of do is that let's create a safe space. So if you've yeah. got questions, you've got to ask because that yeah. leads to a whole lot of other questions. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's beautiful to see the circle just opening it up. You know, it's like other women connecting to other women. And then I think they yeah. pass on the knowledge. Don't you think that once they get it, they want everyone else in their household yeah. and family and friends? By the way, that's another reason as well. So yeah. there's a lot of uh, research out there uh, worldwide, which yes. showcases what happens when women yeah. gain, whether it's gain knowledge and gain empowerment yeah. and the ripple effect. So for me, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, why just women? I'm like, no, I'm actually interested in everyone. Mm. But I do know that I'll make such a big impact, probably a bigger impact when I focus on a, a woman because yes. it, it, they ripple out so well. Women, like whether it, their empowerment impacts their, if they've got children, it goes on to their children, it goes on to their partner, it goes on to their community. So there's such an amazing ripple effect. There's a lot of research which shows that women are very good at that. So that's another main reason I'm focused on women because I know uh, the power of imp- empowering one woman imp- mm. you know, empowers their community and their kind of the their people around them as well. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, we see it. I think we see it. Those of us who are in this space, we see it. And that ripple effect is actually one yeah. of... The most beautiful things that you can witness, I think that's why it keeps many of us doing what we do, is that um, you're not you're not getting one person engaged, you're getting other people engaged and there's going to yeah. be a knock-on effect. Yes, um, exactly. It, it's, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you. Your passion is very clear. It comes across, right? It jumps across. And, I, and I love think, it. Come yes. on, ladies. Yeah. Get on to the share market. <laughs> I know. No, I love it. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very passionate. It is, like you said, it's a mission for me. It's not just a business yeah. that I run. It's, it's, it's part of my, my life's meaning and what yeah. I want to, the legacy I want to live in the world. Oh, beautiful. I mean, on a parting note to our listeners, of course, they're going to want some, you know, general tips, right? So um, what would you say, you've already told us a number of things mm-hmm. through our conversation, sure. but if we could distill it to three things that you think are most important for them in their journey to financial empowerment, mm-hmm. what kind of tips would you give them? Okay, so first of all, um, the first tip is, I think just start wherever you're at so I think a lot of people uh I'm talking from experience here (laughs) they think that they have to know everything they have to understand every little detail before they actually take a step like for instance when it comes to share investing because people are so intimidated Mm. they never start because they 
they think of the the end game instead of taking thinking of the the minute steps towards mm. something so what i always say to people is just start small um don't overthink it don't think you need to know everything immediately you're going to learn and gain more knowledge and confidence as you go so the most important thing is to just take that first step and then the next and then the next mm. so don't Think of the huge, bigger picture. Obviously, have a vision for your life and what you want, but don't be too focused on, oh, my God, how am I going to get to that? Think of taking one step at a time. So when it comes to um, empowerment, when I think of the, some what you call the average Jane who's done amazing over a long period of time, they did well because they just did they had specific habits and then they were consistent with those habits mm. over a period of time it's not rocket science it's more to do with behavior and habits and consistency over time so first of all just start secondly learn really healthy habits and they're very simple there's not, they're not like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Whether it's you're going to invest a specific amount over a period of time consistently, for instance, um, or you're going to add extra into your super consistently mm. over decades. Yes. So things like that, it's just about consistently doing specific healthy habits mm. uh, that will help you. So first of all, start getting into some consistent healthy habits. Um and get some, you know, some basic knowledge and basic information. You engagement, I guess your interest levels will grow as you understand more. So just start, um, I, I'd recommend, you know, for people to check out the moneysmart.gov.au website um, for basic information. It can be overwhelming. So what I'll say about that website is focus on one subject area. <laughs> Don't yep. try to read everything because okay. there's a lot going on on that website. Yep. You know, there's insurance, there's super, there's investment. So let's say, for instance, you say, okay, um, I want to look at investing. Just go to the investing area, <laughs> then read just one page at a time, you know, yeah. to just learn. Don't try to be like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read super. I'm going to read investing. I'm going to read insurance because it can be overwhelming. So I actually think that one is a good just a, a basic starting point to learn some basic information because it's it's a, the government website and no one is pushing any product or service on you. Mm. It's an educational website. Yeah. Um, but also when it comes to things like share investing, the, you know, you can also get quite a lot of really good information from the ASX website as well, yeah. uh, where they have an education hub where you can go in and uh, learn more about shares and, and exchange traded funds and other fun, you know, investing concepts <laughs> out there. So just start, just take one small step. That, that one small step could be you just going to moneysmart.gov.au and looking yeah. at the investing page, yeah. you know. Uh, start some, you know, good consistent habits over the long term, whatever yes. you can afford. And yes. obviously with time, hopefully that will grow. Um, and, you know, just get some basic knowledge and education. Um, there's some really good resources out there for you as well. Oh. Thank you, Wazi. I think you, you obviously, you make it sound so easy. You get straight <laughs> to the point of, of what needs to happen first. Um, yeah. And I think our listeners really appreciate you taking the time. I definitely do. Taking the time to actually share 
your journey and also your tips with us. Uh, it's my pleasure. I have been looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> and I'm so happy that we finally got a chance to have a chat. You are wonderful, lovely, and I love what you're doing. Um, you are such an important voice um, in this world. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Watsi. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe now to be notified of new episodes. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed during this episode includes strategies that are general in nature. As everyone's situation is different and the information discussed does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs, you should always seek personal advice with regard to your own personal circumstances.